We're about to kick off an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, brought to you by the fine folks over at, where else? Geekinthecity.com. If you enjoy this show, and I think you do, the best way to help us out is just spread the word. Uh, tell everybody that you enjoy listening to Geek in the City Radio on whatever social media platform you use, as well as giving us a five-star review on sites like iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or iHeartRadio. Those reviews go much farther than you would ever imagine in helping us climb the metrics, which uh, just gets us more listeners, which just makes us a bigger and more nerdier family for everyone to enjoy, which we're going to do right now with an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. Hello, and welcome to issue 591 of Geek in the City Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I'm one of your other hosts, Spinarita. And I am your other, other host, Cable Hashitani. And since it's basically the end of the month, it's time for our reoccurring guest slash D&D co-hosts. <laughs> Hello, I'm Greg. Ada. Yay! So good to be back. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's always good. And this intro officially took all the energy I have. So take it away, Bean. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before we jump into building character, we have a couple other things. Of course, we're going to talk about uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but we thought we would kick off uh, tonight's conversation by talking about... Comic-Con International happening later this year or of our Lord 2021. Uh, Cable, I think you have the most details on that if you want to start. So I I went ahead and did a little digging before I just immediately did a hot take on this. Um, but the uh, essentially Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con already announced that they were not going to happen this summer. Um they then turned around, I think it was at the end of WonderCon, uh, WonderCon Online, which they they also own, uh, that they announced that they were going to do a late fall um, convention. Uh, it was called uh, Comic-Con Special Edition. Uh, and it is going to take place over Thanksgiving weekend. So it'll be Black Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, as you might guess, the uh, oh, I need to turn off my stereo. I'm sorry. Um, as you might guess, the uh, comic book community has had varying reactions. Most of them are in the realm of what the ever-loving fuck, <laughs> right? Um, because who, like, who does this? Why? Why do this? Why? Like, how are you going to get any of your regular guests to show up? Um, like, people who work in Hollywood don't want to, they want to go spend Thanksgiving weekend with their families. 
for, you know, so that they can post it on Instagram. Um, and also, like, it's very likely this will be the year that people can actually spend the holiday with their family. Mm-hmm. So it's an even harder sell to be like, hey, this is the year you can see family members you still want to see. But do you want to come to a Comic-Con? Do you want to be around sweaty you nerds instead? choose your family or your fandom. Yes, exactly. Yep. Um, I don't really understand that. I, it's not a great, it's not a logical choice. I, I know that there are going to pl- be plenty of people who actually would rather go to a convention than be around their family. Mm-hmm. But is that really going to be enough to have made made it a profitable, like worthwhile venture? I don't know, is, especially is, with the pandemic context. And are any of those people the people that are going to be exhibiting at the fest? Mm. The like, no, that's a really good point. Yeah, I haven't really considered like the content <clears throat> creators. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, Marvel doesn't really have a presence anymore. Neither does DC. Mm-hmm. Um, because why bother? Yeah, why bother? Um, well, I mean, Marvel's got its own thing because of Disney, and I think the DC FanDome event proved that they don't need to be at Comic-Con to have their fans show up, so why pay for it? Um, yeah, and I can't imagine the smaller companies, smaller you know, press, you know, publishers are going to want to fork over that money, you know, Um that's also the kind of time of year, if I remember correctly, like most publishers start to lock down like that Thanksgiving week. Not a lot gets done between then and like literally like a few days into the new year. Like it's mm-hmm. just nothing. nothing like I don't remember cable. If you can think of any like major book releases that come out around that time of year, because everybody thinks like, oh, for Christmas, they're like, no, nah, they'll they'll push big releases, but they won't put them out around christmas the yeah the production schedule just kind of goes to a simmer it's like you know the week before christmas and the week of christmas usually there's five new titles that hit the shelves on wednesday instead of yeah 50 and in the publishing world if i remember correctly major releases are timed for like basically late spring because they Mm -hmm. want to get people for summer reading and then roughly back to school air time. Those are the two. That's when big titles are pushed. Those are when they have the release their big titles. Or they're, you know. I mean, even just thinking about the the economy in general. Think the, you know, like the days leading up to Thanksgiving are the nation's biggest travel days out of the entire year, more than Christmas even. Um, because that is that is like the one of the most dedicated travel periods for like for going to see family. And Which, so sorry. Regardless of creators or fans, like, you know, stars or or ticket buyers, how much of that do you really think you can divert? I don't know. I, can't get to the logic of this so especially because even all the big comic publishers and related places things like you know tfa.com or big bad robot or big bad toy store or whatever you know they run online sales that weekend also so it's not like they're going to want to be sending their merch to san diego 
the whole point of Black Friday of these places, they get to clear out shit that they couldn't sell at the conventions all throughout the year. Mm-hmm. So, Aaron, you had a theory as to why they're doing this that you've mentioned out there. Do you want to mention it? Yeah, that? I think one of the reasons why they're doing it is so last year they ran that virtual Comic Con, which went off pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a pretty huge endeavor and it didn't have a whole lot of glitches and there were tens of thousands of people that streamed various panels. Um, and I think in a smart choice, they didn't charge for it. Like there was no premium content. Um, I, in fact, I haven't heard of a con going online that has done that yet because I think that's a really hard sell. <laughs> um, like, hey, we need you to pay to then sit here for eight hours and listen to us promote our stuff. Even when there are good panels, that's a hard sell. Um, but something tells me that, I mean, every convention company or whatever took a pretty hard hit in 2020. Mm-hmm. My gut tells me that Comic-Con International took a harder one. I don't know how far in advance they pay for the convention space in San Diego. Um I don't know. They're they're technically a nonprofit. I think they might be having more they might be more underwater than people realize. And maybe this is a quick lifeline so they can have the big return in 2022. Because mm-hmm. I know Read Pop's pushing like Read Pop's doing shit too. Like every convention's gonna drop from like September to December. Mm-hmm. Like they're all, I think. I mean, Rose City selling tickets. Rose City is almost always Labor Day, I think. Um, I don't know if Dragon Con is going to happen. I haven't heard yay or nay on that. I haven't either. But I think Emerald City got bumped to like, mm-hmm. like October. Like all the big ones, like like Heroes, Emerald City. Like I think they're all. That's a crowded. It's a crowded con season. And that's the other thing. Like con season is hard enough on creators and publishers when conventions are the major ones are three weeks apart, give or take. These things are like every weekend. They're just, they're just stacking them like cordwood. I don't, I don't know. I'm seeing that. uh, uh, One of the things that I saw on Twitter when this all went down, I forget who is a friend Acquaintance that works in the industry, so it, like they're I, I like their opinion. It makes sense, but they think that uh, there is there is the issue of Comic Con is underwater financially, but they've picked this weekend particularly. So if it fails, they can use that as leverage to file bankruptcy for or, like bankruptcy protection. Yeah. Or, mm. or you know, any any sort of like, oh well, you know, this was the only thing that was available, so of course we projected that we were going to have low attendance, and we're not right. expecting this. And apparently, it was the only weekend available at the convention center mm-hmm. in like quarter four of twenty twenty one was Thanksgiving weekend for obvious reasons. Because who's going to go to a convention on Thanksgiving weekend? <laughs> I think overall, I'm disappointed that conventions are coming are trying to come back the way they were beforehand because anything that last year should have taught them is that the entire model is broken and has been for over a decade 
and they needed to evolve and they've decided not to they're like no we want to do it this way it's like nope absolutely not yeah i mean i feel like we could bring in other folks and do an entire show on that like that Mm -hmm. might be a cool show to do perhaps Um, we should yeah a few people off top my head who would be good for that i can too uh, I do know one small one small advantage to conventions that I that I hear a lot of the people that I chat with online that are professional comic creators of, of various whatevers, and the main reason they miss conventions is it was the only time they got to see people that they never you know that you never see, mm-hmm. you know. And writing comics by its nature is a pretty solitary, even though it's a team effort. You're very rarely are you in the same city as your other creators. Um, and you know, these big conventions, a lot of the time is a chance to see your friends and collaborators often on someone else's dime mm-hmm. or at least, you know, a shared cost. And that's, you know, that kind of connection can't be discredited. That's very important. Um, that is 100% valid. Yeah. I, I, I get that. But by the same token, these creators, as much as they love their fans, I think deep down they'd rather have like a, you know, yeah, let's have like a thing for the weekend where we get to meet fans. But I know that creators hate, they hate showing their product behind those tables. They're like, I know a few that would rather honestly have like limited meet and greets and then they get to do their professional thing and the fans can go do their thing. And shows are hard and they're getting harder a lot of shows now expect creators and guests to show up at like 8 a.m and then not fucking leave until like nine that's ridiculous that's more than an eight hour day yeah you were asking and you do it like two three days in a row or more yes Mm -hmm. and like you said earlier it is every weekend as much yeah as much as you get to see people that you haven't seen in a while the one major complaint everyone has is i could be working right i could be working on the book and now it's delayed yeah or i put in 11 hours on the floor because i want to be i want to be good it's not the fans fault that this convention has these hours Mm -hmm. so i don't want to be a dick to the fan who maybe was at work and they can't get to the show until six o'clock so they're so excited for that that later close and they get to my table and there's a sign that says back tomorrow. Yep. Yeah. I've been that fan. You yeah. don't take it personally, but it still sucks. I think that comic conventions are a great microcosm of why capitalism will fail. <laughs> and maybe it should have a different construction. Uh, my hot take on Twitter was solely that it it needs to be ref- like you need to burn down the entire comic book convention model to the ground and rebuild it from the foundation up. And part of that foundation has to be universal basic income, uh, universal health care, and uh, a union for all comic book uh, professionals. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm becoming more and more um, of a proponent for universal income or universal basic income and universal health care <clears throat> from the standpoint of that's how you get your creators to flourish. Make it yeah. so they don't, never have to work a day job. Yeah. And never have to worry about if they get sick. I mean, that is good for everyone. Like, I think it was in 
was it in San Francisco that there was a small community that was given $500 a month? It was somewhere in or, California, yes. Mm-hmm. And it was like a three-year study or something. And mm-hmm. like more, people every... had, more people had jobs than like average population. Mm-hmm. Um, more of them were in better health, yep. uh, just happier in general. I've been so, so happy this past year, like as a human individual. And I tried to go back to work. And I mean, granted, there were extenuating circumstances, but it felt like too much. Um, it's, it's nice to know right now that I can just sort of bide my time until the right job for me comes along. It's not that I don't want to work. I'm just right. relieved at not having the pressure of what, what the unemployment, uh, benefit system looks like, which is very demanding. And I think this is the rallying cry to get comic book professionals together under is they we need to become our own lobby and lobby for exactly that because that's going to help change the industry that's that's going to be the transformative thing yeah i know um i know neil adams tried in the 70s and it obviously didn't work did he try Um, putting together a union he did um and i think like yeah i don't know all the details i know he did Mm. <clears throat> um, should look up more about how that worked out. It was an interesting story from what I remember, but memory's also kind of shot right now. Fair. Neil Adams is an interesting fellow. <laughs> that's a, that's a, it's a very broad and, and yes. Yes. Broad way of putting it. Yeah. 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 He's, uh, he's definitely an East Coaster. <laughs> Yeah. of the That's of cool. the most classic sense yeah you know good working class grumpy union man that happens to just draw really hairy chested bruce wayne that's just his favorite thing <laughs> mm-hmm. yep he likes his, it, oh he, i'm sorry is it, i thought they all did that back east no I mean, neil adams like he draws a he likes his superhero men hairy <laughs> uh and confirm yeah uh, very well well on that do we want to jump into building character we should probably, so. we should have a show where we just talk about fixing shows we should <laughs> we should build that one because this is a this is a good important conversation um both, like within the context of the comic book industry but just you know our shitty capitalist society in general <laughs> yeah and i think trying to do it last year would have been too depressing for way too many people because they were just bummed out about it. It wasn't happening. Now that it's happening again, it's like, okay, we can do better. Yes, I was for for reasons that I still can't say. I, I was very sad. Yeah, let's, let's wait until at least imminent death isn't like the top concern for everybody. <laughs> that's the bar. That's, that's a good bar. That's yeah. a good bar to set. I'm sorry, yeah. that came off really, really glib, but I, I, I do mean that in like the in, in a very serious way. Like, you know what? People are still dying. COVID cases are still rising, even yeah. though vaccinations are going faster than ever. Uh, it's it's all bad. It's all bad still, even though even though the horizon is there. So let's <laughs> let's get a little closer to the horizon before we just, take on something that big. I'm just worried that when I'm fully vaccinated. I'm going to fucking turn into Kirk at the beginning as, you know, undiscovered country. Fox all like they're dying. I'll be like, let them die. 
No, Aaron. No, no, no I, I get the sentiment. I'm like, okay, fine. You know, there, the, the science has developed a way to prevent people who actually care about themselves and each other to avoid this terrible illness. And then, you know, if everyone, everyone else who wants to sh- be a, you know, a shithead science denier or, or whatever their reasons are can just fall off that proverbial cliff but that's not how it's going to work. It's not, it's not, it's just, they're going to keep infecting one another. It's going to mutate. And then we're going to get sick anyway, no matter how many people are vaccinated. Yeah. I, I did see a, a reaffir- reassuring graph or a series of graphs. It was all 50 States that it was the percentage of uh, people who didn't trust getting the vaccine at like six months ago. And they were all slipping downward to the, that percentage getting lower and lower. So it's like, oh, okay, more people are like, well, okay. Except for two states, and I believe they were North Dakota and Wisconsin. So stay the hell out of that, those states. Okay. Okay. They were rising. Oh, wait. Really quick yeah. before we dive into the bard, I had to do a quick little research. This is apparently true. <clears throat> Neil Adams is also apparently a low-key hollow earth believer and for some reason that makes me like him more that kind of tracks not a flat earth a no, hollow earther hollow earth. right. so hollow totally earther. totally different brand of crazy the earth mm-hmm. is round having listened to many of his interviews that strangely inside. tracks <laughs> it's um what people don't understand is that uh, it has a nougat center I was picturing more of a cascaron type of situation. Ooh. So if anything hits us too too hard, we'll just implode and glitter will go everywhere. <laughs> I'm also totally okay with that. I'm still got fingers crossed for Land of the Lost uh, scenario. Where I'm with you, Greg. Yeah, dinosaurs and glitter and also nougat. Glitter dinosaurs yes. with a sound. with a delicious nougat center. This is more exciting than my view of it just as a molten core. So good on you. <laughs> Reality is never as exciting as it could as be a molten It sucks. It could be a molten nougat. It, it could be. It could be. Nougat is in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> That's not where nougat belongs. No. That's no. why you always kill beholders for their tasty, tasty nougat eyes. Nougat center. You- Pop that off, crack it open, share it amongst your party. Is, it, is the nougat in the eye of the boulder specifically? I, okay, I but only at center yeah. eye. The, 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 the other the ones are like nuts eye. and cordials, and yeah, each of the each of the eyes is a different um, flavor. It's kind of like one of those um, candy, the C's candy boxes. Yeah. The C's candy boxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's Willy Wonka's everlasting beholder. Down to mm, see which, which eye has what flavor. <laughs> yeah. It's it's printed on the bottom of. The... <laughs> also, really quick. Cable's like staunch, like scientific skepticism, which I enjoy, still leads me to the story idea that I still want to do with him one day as like a video series where Cable's house actually is haunted, but he refuses to believe it's haunted and gets into arguments with the ghost, convincing the ghost that he's just some kind of thing of science that hasn't been explained yet. And the ghost gets more and more annoyed that he can't get Cable to believe in him because he is an actual fucking ghost. (laughs) Yes, let's do this. I like this idea. Yeah, like a weird version of the odd couple. Read that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you you turn anything into the odd couple, and I'm in. Oh. <laughs> All right, bards. Let's do it, bards. Bards. 
these erudite entertainers utilize the esoteric energies of their instruments in their enchantments and evocations, either emboldening their allies in battle, using their bardic inspiration, uh, eviscerating their enemies with insults, or embellishing the exegesis at the inn after a battle, a bard embodies the invigorating energy that echoes eternally throughout untold epochs. Excellent. (laughs) 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 Oh, bards, bards. Um, One of my very favorite classes, the Jack of All Trades. Bards are an adept support class that are useful in basically any team you can put a bard in any team and it works and it's uh, better and it's better is it <laughs> it is <laughs> um so unlike many of the classes that we've talked about uh the player has a whole lot more input into tailoring what their particular bard is good at um so uh, i guess yeah we'll just take a look at the first level facts here uh hit die is a d8 so it's like a druid or a rogue um, so while they can scrap, they probably shouldn't go to the front lines unless they pick up a subclass that is suited to it at third level. We'll get into that in a moment. Um, they are proficient with light armor and a handful of martial weapons, um, as well as all the simple weapons and hand crossbows, my personal favorite. Um, they are proficient with three musical instruments. You get to choose whatever they are. Um, you can channel your magic through those instruments. So think about what you're bringing to a fight. Is it a drum? Is it a violin? Is it bagpipes? You know, how does that inform your casting of the spells? You can get some really good flavor in that. Um, let's see, your saving throw proficiencies are dexterity and charisma. Um, so both your mind and your body are nimble and quick. Um, let's see. Unlike other classes, which direct you to choose two to four skills off of the little pre-written lists that are specific to the class, um, at first level, a bard is able to choose any three skills that they'd like. Any of them. Pick three. Um, the, begar- the, the bard begins with uh, two cantrips, uh, four known spells, and uh, two spell slots off the bat, um, and learns an impressive and annoying amount of spells as they level up. So a warlock and a sorcerer, they cap out at uh, 15 at a time. The bard has 22. That's nuts. Yeah. Um, so your magic manifests from the heart and soul you pour into your performance of your music or your oration. So it, naturally it's channeled through charisma uh, and your musical instruments are going to be considered your spell casting focuses for your bard spells, uh, which is pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the next thing that you get at first level and kind of the core of the bardic class is bardic inspiration. Uh, As a bonus action on your turn, you can inspire others through your stirring words or music. Uh, Mechanically, this manifests as the character you target gaining a special D6 die. Um, Within 10 minutes in-game of uh, gaining this inspiration, they can apply the D6 to one ability check, attack roll, or saving throw that they make. Uh, they can wait until after they roll the d20 to apply the additional d6, but they must decide before the DM states whether the roll was a su- success or failure. Uh, which is uh, why I personally, as a DM, like will say, oh, uh, a 22, does that hit? When I know 
well and good. Your AC is 18. That gives you the chance to be like, oh, I want to use my bardic inspiration <laughs> and maybe turn that, you know, hit into a miss or what have you. Um, so uh, they can, uh, uh, a creature can't have more than one bardic inspiration on them at a time and a bard can't give themselves bardic inspiration either. You can use this feature a number of times equal to your charisma modifier, since this is a core feature and your spellcasting uses charisma. It's good to have that ability score at your highest. Oh, and as you grow in strength and level up, your bardic inspiration die increases from a d6 to a d8 to a d10, finally capping out at a d12 at level 15. Nice. Yeah. Um... Uh, On to our second level. Second level uh, gives you some great out-of-combat bonuses. Uh, The first is called Jack of All Trades, uh, which allows you to add half of your proficiency bonus to any ability check you make that doesn't already include your proficiency bonus. That means that at level two, you have at least a plus one in every skill, provided you don't have a negative modifier in any of them. So you're not bad at everything. You're not great, but like not having a, a negative or a zero uh, is always awesome when you're rolling to do something in your skills. Uh, the second ability at level two is called Song of Rest. This is only applicable during a short rest, but by playing a soothing melody or oration, uh, it allows anyone who can hear your performance to regain an extra D6 hit points during that short rest. Uh, And then as you reach certain levels, the amount uh, increases in die size, going from a eight, uh, six to eight to 10 to 12. Yeah. Uh, And then two things occur for a bard at the third level. Uh, So like a rogue, they gain expertise in two skill proficiencies, uh, doubling their proficiency bonus. Pretty cool. Uh, secondly, they get to choose their bard college. Woo! Yeah. Um, and all the choices we have. So the player's handbook begins with two options, but with the release of Xanathar's Guide and Tasha's Cauldron, uh, there are now seven options. Uh, we're just going to focus on the player's handbook and Xanathar's today. So um, first step is the College of Lore. One day yeah. Later. Yeah. Uh, so College of Lore... Uh, I don't know why exactly, uh, but this has been my favorite subclass of Bard. Um, wait, actually, I do know why. It's because they have an ability called Cutting Words that allows you to literally insult a monster into missing with its attack. Um, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So It'll make me laugh. Uh, it's really good. <laughs> I know, but it hurts to laugh right now. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's fine. Um, so... Uh, the College of Lore Bards are orators and uh, they are storytellers. They seek out rare bits of knowledge from antiquity. And at level three, they gain profici- proficiency in three more skills of your choice. Um, and they learn an ability to use their wit to, quote, distract, confuse, and otherwise sap the confidence and competence of others. This is cutting words. Uh, as a reaction, after a creature you see within range makes an attack roll, ability check, or damage roll, you can expend one of your own bardic inspirations uh, and roll your own die 
to subtract the number you rolled from that creature's total. So be aware, though, uh, the creature is immune to this uh, effect if it can't hear you or if it's immune to being charmed. But being able to be like, oh, I'm going to roll a d6, and actually, you know, that, uh, that damage roll is five less than what you just did, or mm-hmm. that ability check is actually subtract four from what you just rolled, do you, do you save now, DM? Uh, is pretty pretty great. It's a pretty fun feeling to mess with the DM's uh, roles. I would imagine Edelin certainly had a lot of fun. Anyhow, yeah, uh, I wouldn't know what that fun is like. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the bane of the eternal DM. Um, at sixth level, you learn additional magical secrets. Uh, all bards gain this ability called magical secrets at level 10 but you get it at level 6 and level 10 so you get it twice you are able to learn two spells of your choice from any class uh they can be uh cantrips uh and they count as bard spells for you so if they're cantrips or leveled spells uh they gotta be of a level that you can cast but they don't count against the number of spells you know um and this just opens the floodgates for what your bard can do and, like, how you flavor your bard's, you know, magical abilities. Like, um, what if your bard learned the cleric cantrip Sacred Flame, right? How would a fight change if your bard had access to the Lightning Arrow spell? How mad would the ranger in that party be if they saw the bard using the lightning arrow spell at sixth level, knowing they didn't get access to it until the ranger was ninth level? Uh, so these are the questions you can ask yourself. Uh, the final ability for the... They seem oddly specific questions there. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> The final ability uh, for your College of Lore Bard is called Peerless Skill. At 14th level, this allows you to use your own Bardic Inspiration on uh, a ability check role. Uh, so while not as flashy as some other capstone abilities, this gives you a D10 and then one level higher, a D12, to add to any ability skill role you make. So for those times when you really need to succeed, this will ensure that you do. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> uh, let's see. The next college on the list is the College of Valor. Uh, these are daring skulls <laughs> who are eager to witness great events firsthand. So they might record them and ensure the memory of these events are well remembered. Uh, but don't be fooled. Uh, these bards don't want to just sit on the sidelines with, you know, uh, with their magic, they call forth the echoes of greatness from heroes past and dive into the fray themselves. Uh, so first they gain uh, proficiency with medium armor, shields, and then all martial weapons. Because, uh, I mean, how are you going to sing about a battle if you weren't in it? And how are you going to survive that battle if you don't know how to fight? So, uh, Good points. Good points. Yeah. Yeah. All I'm at inspiration. <laughs> Uh, is a big thing. In addition to the normal effects of bardic inspiration, your allies can also choose to apply that bardic inspiration die to their damage rolls that they make. Or they can use their bardic inspiration as a reaction when an attack roll is made 
uh, against them to increase their AC. So it just adds like another little layer of inspirational protection. Uh, at level six, uh, that bard gains extra attack. You attack twice whenever you take the attack action. So pow, pow, pretty good. Um, at level 14, the Valor Bard gains battle magic. Uh, they weave their spell casting and their sword play together. Um, so when you use a ca- an action to cast a bard spell, um, you get to make a weapon attack as like a bonus action with it. Um, and then that, yeah, that would be the 14th one. So that's the capstone. And then, uh, the next stuff is the stuff that's from Xanathar's. Uh, so that's, um, colleges of glamour, sword and whispers. Yes. I'll take the glamour college (laughs) of glamour. Uh, Aaron, you're, you're familiar with a particular, uh, a particular bard that belongs I, to this college. I, of- I am. I might have to um, deal with a bard that's from the College of Glamour. <laughs> the Glamour Bard uses methods in like that the darkest in- setting D anD D has ever had. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's amazing. It's not a weird <laughs> mix or anything. <laughs> it was very specific phrasing, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> so. The Glamour Bard uh, uses methods that originated in the Feywild to delight and captivate others. They gain two abilities at third level, their Mantle of Inspiration and their Enthralling Performance. Mantle of Inspiration uses up one of your Bardic Inspirations uh, as a bonus action, and you may choose a number of creatures you can see within range up to your Charisma modifier. Each of these... Creatures you choose gain 5 temp HP, can immediately use their reaction to move up to their speeds without provoking opportunity attacks. This is a great ability if enemies get the drop on your party, or if something happens in battle and you need to quickly reposition, like if a portcullis is lowering or a poisonous cloud is overtaking the terrain. Uh, The enthralling performance requires that you play music uninterrupted for one minute so not really like a in combat ability uh but a number a number of humanoids equal to your charisma modifier who listened and saw your entire performance must succeed against a wisdom saving throw or be charmed by you while charmed they idolize and speak glowingly of you they hinder all who oppose you but they will not choose violence unless they were already inclined to fight on your behalf This charm lasts an entire hour, ending early if they take any damage, if you attack them, or if they witness you attacking or damaging any of their allies. Unlike many charm spells, if someone does succeed on their wisdom saving throw, they are unaware that you attempted to charm them, and then this ability returns after a short or long rest. So you can have... A lot of a lot of interesting social encounters with that getting through places that might be a little harder to get through as people are fawning over how great you are. Um, <laughs> mantle of Magi- Majesty, Mantle of Majesty is your sixth level ability, and it allows you to cloak yourself in fey magic that makes others want to serve you. As a bonus action, you cast Command without expending a spell slot. And you take on an appearance of unearthly beauty for one minute 
or until the concentration ends. During this time, you can cast the command spell as a bonus action on each of your turns without expending a spell slot. Any creature charmed by you automatically fails its saving throw against the command you cast using this feature. Uh, This ability only refreshes after a long rest. Um, So, in a fight, one minute is ten rounds. Um, Oh, were you going to say something, Mita? No. Um, I'm just going to ask what level this feature kicks in at so I know when to keep an eye out for that sucker. Oh, (laughs) he's he's got it. It was level six. Yeah. I've been really enjoying you making these faces going, oh, (laughs) (laughs) So some things to note about this one. In a fight, one minute's ten rounds. So that's a really long time. Uh, But out of combat, a minute is like nothing, right? So uh, remember the limits of the command spell. Um, It can only be one word. The target must understand what you're saying. And you can't command the target to do something that's directly harmful to it. Also remember that if cast in combat, the effect takes place on the creature's next turn. So if it hasn't used a reaction yet, uh, it might continue to be a danger. Um, and, And finally, the 14th level, the capstone ability is called Unbreakable Majesty. As your appearance permanently gains an otherworldly aspect that makes you look more lovely and fierce. As a bonus action, you emanate a magically majestic presence for one minute or until you're incapacitated. For that duration, any creature trying to attack you for the first time on its turn must choose, uh, must make a charisma saving throw against you. If they fail, then they can't attack you on that turn and must choose a new target or the attack is wasted. On a successful save, they can attack, but any saving throw they make is made with disadvantage against your spells on your next turn. And you regain this ability on a short or long rest. So uh, <laughs> that is that is uh, the college Look, of glamour. As long as I keep giving him clothes that can't ever get soiled or stained, he's going to forget about all his abilities and just prance around looking fantastic. So that's my I, plan. I think, I think you've got... I think you've got that keyed in. Exactly. I think, right. I think he might get gloves next, so he can just do hand stuff with gloves that can't get dirty. <laughs> oh, God. Really, <laughs> have the Vince Noir of our group. That, uh, that mm. do, like, one particular part of prestidigitation. Like, not the whole thing, but just, like, I, one. Yeah, I feel like by the time the whole campaign's done, he's going to look like a half-elven version of, like, Ravenloft Ric Flair. <laughs> <laughs> or David Bowie. Try living with it. I mean, Ric Flair is just <laughs> Ric Flair is just a muscled David Bowie, really. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> oh man. Okay, what's the next college? Uh, oh, college, of swords. college of Swords. So this is for the bard who uses their mastery over blades to entertain. Uh, they're sword swallowers, knife throwing marksmen, jugglers, that sort of thing. Uh, but they're incredibly deft with the weapons that they wield. So they're also going to be gaining added proficiencies like the Valor Bard. Uh, they're able to use the medium armor uh, and uh, a scimitar is now on the table for them. Uh, furthermore, if you are proficient with simple or martial weapons, you can use them as your spell ca- uh, casting focus. So that's pretty neat. Um, you can like cast your spells through your 
rapier or something. Um, you gain a fighting style uh, for your specialty, either dueling, which grants you uh, plus two bonus to damage uh, when you wield a weapon in only one hand, or two weapon fighting, which allows you added damage uh, with a second attack. Um, at third level, you gain blade flourish, uh, which, so whenever you take uh, an attack action on your turn, your speed increases uh, 10 feet. Uh, and if a weapon attack uh, that you make hits the creature, you can use one of the three different blade flourish options. Um, and then each option requires expending uh, one of your bardic inspiration die. You roll that die and add that number to the attack's damage. And then each different flourish has a secondary effect. So there's defensive flourish. Uh, so that number that you roll on the die um, for extra damage is also added to your AC until the start of your next turn. Uh, slashing flourish. Uh, so the damage rolled uh, can also apply to any other creature of your choice that you can see within five feet of you. Um, and then mobile flourish, which uh, so you can push the target up to five feet away from you, plus that number that you rolled, that number of feet um, in addition to that five feet. Uh, let's see here. Then you can immediately use your reaction to move up to your walking speed to an unoccupied space within five feet of that target. So that's really good for like directing uh, your enemies and getting them out of your face and putting them where you want them. Yeah. Uh, you also high. get an extra attack at sixth level. And then um, at 14th, you get the master's flourish. So whenever you use the bladed flourish that we just talked about, uh, you roll a d6 and you use that instead of expending your bardic inspiration die, which can get helpful there towards towards yeah, the end. So, so yeah, by that by that time, your your uh, bardic inspiration die is a d10, but you can forego using it and use the the smaller d6 instead. Yeah, and it doesn't you know count against your 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 pot. Yeah. Yeah. So very, very mobile, very uh, versatile, and very, uh, uh, very sword oriented. The yeah, it's very swashbucklery. Swashbuckler. Very, um, yeah. it's sort of like a the the battle master light. Yeah, that's a good yeah. way to put it. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, the last one we have, the last one for today is uh, the College of Whispers. Whisper. Uh, this college, whispers. whispers. This college has a decidedly more sinister feel, and the description suggests that many bards hate the College of Whispers because of how they tarnish the reputations of all bards when they take advantage of the hospitality typically shown to a bard by strangers. These bards employ psychic powers and are known for uncovering secrets and using them uh, against others. So your ability that you get at third level is called Psychic Blades. When you hit a creature with a weapon attack, you can expend one of your Bardic Inspiration die to deal an extra 2d6 psychic damage to the target. It's a pretty big pop uh, of psychic damage. Uh, That damage increases as you increase in power. Also at third level, you gain Words of Terror. Uh, This is like the inverse of the Glamour Bard's uh, performance. Uh, If you speak with one humanoid alone for a minute, 
You can attempt to seed paranoia in their mind. The target must make a wisdom saving throw or be frightened of you or another creature of your choice. Uh, the target is frightened in this way for one hour until it's attacked or damaged or until it witnesses its allies being attacked or damaged. The target is unaware you attempted to cast a spell on it if it succeeds its saving throw. At sixth level, you gain the ability called Mantle of Whispers. When a humanoid dies within 30 feet of you, you can magically capture its shadow using your reaction and retain that shadow until you use it or you finish a long rest. It goes away until you, uh, if you, if you don't use it, when you finish a long rest, it disappears. As an action, you can use this shadow to magically transform it into a disguise that appears upon you. The shadow disappears, and now you look like the deceased, but healthy and alive. This disguise lasts for an hour, or if you end it with a bonus action. While you're in, while you're, it's really cool. And while you're in, it gets better, it gets better. While you're in the disguise, you gain access to all the information that humanoid would freely share with a casual acquaintance. Such information includes general details on its background and personal life but it doesn't include secrets. The information is enough that you can pass yourself off as the person by drawing on these memories. Um, Another creature can see through this disguise by succeeding on a wisdom insight check contested by your charisma deception check, but you get a plus five bonus to your check uh, when making this contested role. Um, Finally, once you capture a shadow with this feature, you can't capture another one uh, until you finish a short or long rest. So, no collecting and hoarding shadows. Man! Uh, Sorry. Sorry to be. (laughs) At level 14, you gain the ability Shadow Lore, where you weave dark magic into your words and tap into a creature's deepest fears. As an action, you magically whisper a phrase that only one creature of your choice within 30 feet can hear. The target must make a wisdom saving throw against your spell save DC. The creature automatically succeeds if it doesn't share a language with you or if it can't hear you. On a successful saving throw, your whisper sounds like unintelligible mumbling and has no effect. But if the target fails its saving throw... It is charmed by you for the next eight hours or until you attack, you or your allies attack or damage it. It interprets the whispers as a description of its most mortifying secret. While you actually gain no knowledge of this secret, your target is absolutely convinced you know it. While charmed in this way, the creature obeys your commands for fear that you will reveal its secret. It won't risk its life for you or fight for you unless it was already inclined to do so. And it grants you favors and gifts it would offer a close friend or, you know, someone who's blackmailing them. When the effect ends, the creature has no understanding of why it held you in such fear. And once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish a long rest. I would like to try this one. Of course you would. I have to say that I have had zero interest in ever playing a bard, largely because I've been intimidated by 
all of the things that it can do and the personality that you have to bring to the table to play it. Mm-hmm. Until now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, didn't I, wanna... I really love playing bards and I don't have any musical inclination really. Um, I had a bard that uh, I recited dirty limericks in order to cast spells and stuff. And, yeah. you know, so you don't have to be that like... You don't have to be. But I would, I would love to see. Yeah, yeah. I would yeah, love I just... to see Cable's College of Whispers Bard. I would love to see what you do at at the table too. I, I think you... you've you've already seen him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I didn't want to comment on the faces Cable was making during that description of that Bard. There was a lot of like, mm, excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I I think that particular Bard's name is Manuel. Yeah. yeah, I think you're because right. Because yeah. the College of Whispers Bard is a haunt monster. I think you're right. That's mm-hmm. horrifying, and I may uh-huh. never look at Manuel the same way. <laughs> Good. Uh, there's that fucking, there's that fucking laugh. <laughs> <laughs> that one. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> so that is our basics of bardery. Um, as we mentioned before, there are other. Um, Bardic colleges that were recently made available in Tasha's Cauldron. So if you're interested in building a bard, but these ones that we just went over just aren't, uh, you know, strumming your loot, if you know what I mean, yeah. uh, you can take a look. Yeah, I, actually, I don't regret that. Deal with it. Um, <laughs> you take a look at the other uh, the other ones in Tasha's uh, and see if they're more to your taste. But uh, I think, meanwhile, uh, we already got Manuel's uh, situated. What other pop culture characters can we uh, put in the bard category? What can we build these bard characters off of? Well, I'm glad you asked. We have uh, a couple. I, I have we have a couple ideas here, and I'd love to hear uh, uh, what what your all thoughts, uh, all your thoughts are. Uh, but for College of Lore, a couple uh, that we were talking about were um, if you've ever read the Kingkiller Chronicles, um, Kvothe is very much a College of Lore bard, um, as well as uh, Dandelion from Watership Down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say uh, Webigail, Webby, uh, from uh, particularly the new uh, DuckTales series is absolutely a College of Lore bard. Agreed. The lore being strictly McDuck, but still. <laughs> but still. But still. <laughs> um, and then, I'm uh, McDuck. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, yeah, uh, Yasker uh, from The Witcher. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just saw a really good one. Uh, Chaucer from A Knight's Tale. Oh, you know, we yeah. actually have him on a different, uh, a, a different college. Um, oh, okay. We were talking about him at <clears throat> College of Valor. Um, because of his, can it have, because he's so close to, uh, to, to the knight, he's right up in there. But, mm. uh, but either one, either one would work. I th- yeah, I, I, feel, I feel like he would suit really either of those. Yeah, I mean, Chaucer's definitely a bard. Absolutely. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm really excited about College of Glamour because, let's be honest, it's like the most obnoxious bard. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Christian. I love yeah. <laughs> um, so the, the first
first name that came to my mind was, well, Zoolander, obviously. Zoolander's 100% College of College of Glamour Bar. <laughs> oh, being yeah. Being able to stop an attack by, by just giving a magnum, you know? Blue Steel. What have you. <laughs> um, I can't turn think... left. Okay, yeah, that's a good, that's a good flaw. That's a good, uh, <laughs> told you. I'm not ambidextrous. Uh, my cat is not an It's more for catalogs. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was too stupid to know what you googly was. Um, God, well, the you googly line gets yeah. me. Oh. oh my gosh! Yeah. They were like brothers to me, but not like real brothers, but like the way black people say it, which I think <laughs> is more powerful. <laughs> I forgot all about that line. Oh, no. Oh, man. It just reminds you that it's just a reminder that anyone could die in a freak gasoline fight while sipping frappuccinos. Uh, I don't know why. I can see Lando from the College of Glamour. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. see that. He's very much a, like, heavy charisma, heavy, you Mm -hmm. know, Watch the cape. Don't watch, you know what we're That's doing. That's right. Here. And he can stop a fight with "Hello there," you know. I mean, yeah, right. <laughs> That's right. He can. Um, so I think that uh, Ramona Flowers uh, from Scott Pilgrim versus the World would oh, be yeah. glamour. Um, she's not super obnoxious, but she is very. Well, there's got to be something about her because there are like seven-ish people who wanted just spend the rest of their lives fighting anybody who talks to her. <laughs> to the death. To the mm-hmm. death. <laughs> or to the coinus bloaty. I don't... It gets weird. But, like, she seems really okay with this. So I feel like <laughs> there's something that happens with her. I had an interesting thought the other day. I was like, I think Ramona Flowers is just the younger version of the female lead in uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I mean, they are both definitely uh, that manic pixie dream girl shenanigan. Mm-hmm. No, no, they're the opposite of manic pixie dream girl. They're like too too cool for school. That's this, part if, of this manic is how you want to like thing though. No, but like when I think of you know the the manic pixie dream girl, I think of like very like whimsical. Um, just sort of like go with the flow and let's let's go on an adventure and like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm much more like bubbly and like intentionally charming or like unintentionally charming but in this like like really cutesy way and those two it. characters I feel are like the opposite of that they're like surly and disinterested <laughs> and yet uh, they're they they draw people in but they don't really want to be I think. So that's actually a big part of of the manic pixie dream girl. It is two sides of that same coin of they're both like, oh, I'm super edgy and I don't want to be in a relationship like this because I'm not like other girls. And, um, you know, and uh, they end up, I mean, one of the key things is uh, they end up affecting the male protagonist's life for the better without furthering their own goals in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Mm, oh, okay. Then yes, but by that by that definition, Ramona <laughs> yes. Flowers definitely falls into that category. Uh, I think that yeah. that's best exemplified by Holly Golightly, because she's both of those things. Every yeah. day is an adventure. I'm cutesy. I'm fun. I'm whimsical. Also, I have no attachments. I'm not. I'm disinterested. 
I think the guy who termed the epitome of that. Yeah, the guy who termed that coin actually meant her as like his primary example. Coined that term? Yes. I said that backwards. (laughs) I like it better. Yeah. Um, that coin. Yeah. One more listed for College of Glamour, and it's really weird because it's real deep in the weeds. But I watched the video, uh, <laughs> and it's absolutely a hundred percent glamour. Go ahead. Okay, so I have seen maybe three episodes total of Get Smart, and <laughs> one of these episodes uh, had a character called Simon the Likable, who was uh, with the the bad guy group Chaos, and. Um, his whole shtick is that he had such a just salt of the earth face that everybody automatically just loved him and would bend over backwards for him. And like, he ends up getting caught or something. And the jury's like, no, he's fine. We love and him. he literally will look yeah. at you with a twinkle in his eye. Yeah. yeah they yeah, superimpose these little freaky little twinkle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But he is absolutely college of glamour. Mm-hmm. That one All guy, right. he's like in one short little um, arc. It's not a main character, but he's stuck in my brain, and I pulled him out for this. Yeah. Lives there rent-free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Simon the Likeable has lived in my head rent-free since, like, Nick at Night. <laughs> I, I would think from the sounds of it, uh, Uncle Arthur from Bewitched would also fall under... Yeah. into this college oh yes yeah yeah oh, i'm trying to yeah. remember that character yeah. uh, it would take vi- like 30 seconds of uh seeing him on screen and you go oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah he's just very like happy go lucky <clears throat> every all the everything just falls into place for him it's very mm-hmm. yeah uh so yep. uh for for college of valor um, we have we have a few characters from pop culture that we thought were especially relevant. Uh, Gabrielle from Xena, Warrior Princess. Mm-hmm. I mean, she mm-hmm. she calls herself a bard, and she fights right alongside it. So, I mean, she is a bard. She introduced herself as one. Yeah, uh, which was cool. Um, we mentioned Chaucer already, mm-hmm. um, uh, and then uh, also uh, Sa- uh, Sancho Panza from Don Quixote. Mm-hmm. 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 Could, make, exactly. could make a good College of Valor. I bar. would love to create a College of Valor build off of Sancho Panza. Or Sancho Panza. It, funny. It, I feel like it would require uh, some paladin or something in the group to just like build this duo with, but uh, <laughs> it could either be really fun or I could hate it. And yeah, those are the only thin line. two options. And yeah. Just really quick. Going back to the College of Glamour just really fast, Carol. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Not just that Uncle Arthur is from the College of Glamour. It's basically Paul Lind is the College of Glamour. <laughs> yeah. Was there ever a character Paul Lind played when he wouldn't have been a College of Glamour? I don't know that Paul Lind was ever playing any particular character. I think he was just Paul <laughs> He was Lind always Paul Lind. All Lind. the time. He was yep. Paul Lind. Yeah. Fun fact, he, he was, was always... never actually hired officially for any of those things. He just showed up and they're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> While he is the secret square. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. That's, that's yeah, I, I feel like Frank Gorshin is also in that same mm-hmm. college. 
Yeah. All very yeah. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of Charles Nelson Riley. <laughs> a little? <laughs> oh my god, there's your bard party right there. Throw in some Phyllis Diller. Oh my god, I want to build a Phyllis Diller. I love bards so much. I could do it all day long. Uh always. Um Yeah, so. Yeah. You just want to take the next two uh you want to take the next two on the College of Valor? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um so I chose uh Ford Prefect for mm-hmm. Fintech's guide. He's nice. bard. Uh, I think that he would be uh, a valor. He gets he gets he gets in the in the he gets in the in the shit, but you know, not not as much as like College of Swords. Yeah. Um and then uh Samwise Gamgee. I feel oh, like Sam's yeah. got Sam's got sweet bard energy and um is of course the most valiant hobbit ever. Mm. Uh, and uh, he does yeah. keep the he does keep the spirits up too. He keeps yeah. the spirits up, and he writes he he writes that book. Uh, he writes the book at the end. He carries on the story. That's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. But he's yeah. also he like keeps keeps Frodo going with like, hey, you know, remember all those stories that we you know that we grew up on. Like, you know, he continues to tell those those stories and remind him that yeah, you know, we're remind in, him of home. Like, remind him of what's yeah. worth fighting for. So I yeah. Think He's wholesome College of Valor. <laughs> That's why he has the finest salt in all of the Shire. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw I saw a list where it, it didn't like divvy them up into colleges. It was just like pop culture bards. Uh, but I saw mm-hmm. a one that I think fits here in College of Valor, and it's uh, the lead from El Mariachi. <clears throat> oh yeah! Oh yeah! yeah. L. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, L. L. Would L. Would absolutely be uh, either College of Valor or College of Swords. I mean, he didn't use swords because he used guns, but the guns same aren't thing. But the but the guns with like the musical instruments, yeah. you know, yeah. kind of a crossover thing. Yeah, I was thinking that. Oh, totally, hundred percent. Like, That's a good one. With the fighting style in that, I feel like he would land more College of Swords. Yeah, because it was very. Cool. He, he's mm-hmm. you know doing yeah. doing yeah. all sorts of like crazy gun moves and like firing behind his back and stuff. So yeah, uh, some tricks. Tri- I yeah, agree. More tricksy. Lots I of like lots that. of gun like lots of gun akimbo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, let's talk more about College of Swords then. Uh, pew pew. Oh. Um, <laughs> this one. Uh, so L L would be great for that or valor um i thought first name that came to my mind with college of swords he's not really like a super performer but jack burton jack burton is a college of swords bard (laughs) who thinks he's the main character and is a fighter um but he's a bard uh he's he's i I love that movie so much he sure does he sure does tell a tale doesn't he he certainly (laughs) does you leave Jack Burton alone. <laughs> we owe him a great debt. Right. That's right. Uh so Jack Burton, um Deadpool. We thought Deadpool would be a good College of Swords bard. Mm-hmm. A good definitely build a really fun bard off of Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Could see that, yeah. Uh um, I also think uh Inigo Montoya from Princess Bride would be a College of Swords bard. 
like there's there's a storyteller element to him that you know so he's, he's not like the classic bard like you know gabrielle or chaucer where yeah. they're literally like hi i'm a bard um but uh you know he's got this uh showman storyteller feel to him he's, he's driven by his own story yeah uh which is which is pretty cool um and then his proficiency with the sword i mean yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah that could be a very fun character template to build a bard off of yeah um, yeah uh, the last one uh was college of whispers um i was having trouble figuring out like oh, well, who would who would be a good college of whispers bard in pop culture but Ida like came at it besides besides table um and came out with some amazing uh amazing options so go for it Ida. all right so first in like the serious uh thing we've got aria stark Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Hell yeah! There, she is absolutely College of Whispers. I mean, she straight up steals faces, but also just everything about her, um, her sword fighting technique. You know, when she was taking those classes, it was you know they're called dance classes, and and it's it's um, it's very much a finesse and a very much um, you know lie your way into where you need to do to need to go to do what you need to do kind of thing. Um. And then I went off the rails a little bit because uh, so I've been watching a lot of a lot of Arrested Development, you know, rest in peace, Jessica Walter. Uh, Jean Parmesan. Jean Parmesan would be a ridiculous bard. <laughs> Especially if you had like uh, a wizard in the party or some some other, uh, you know, character that would that would always squeal out their name when oh, whenever. Whatever they unmask themselves. That'd be awesome. I saw someone mentioned uh, Varys from Game of Thrones also. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah Varys is good. The yeah. Master of Whispers, you mean? Yes. That's or was it no, Master of Secrets? Master of Secrets. Master of what? Secrets. With his sparrows. What's a secret but, but a whisper, anyway? Yeah. I tried to be poetic, but that fell flat. <laughs> um, I also thought uh, Count Olaf from a series of unfortunate events. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, a little bit silly because, you know, the, the the orphans always pick him out right away, but no one else does. No one else <laughs> seems to, yeah. Those orphans are clearly immune to being charmed. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, the last one um, was, oh, it would be uh, Artemis Gordon. The, the the good the good Artemis Gordon from Wild Wild West. Oh my God! All about putting <laughs> yeah. on different masks. Yeah. Okay. The, the the goofy end of of um, College of Whispers. If you really want to just take the teeth out of it, <laughs> play 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 a character based off of Artemis Gordon. But uh, uh, there there we have it. You guys have any uh, any other thoughts? Uh, to oh wait, there's uh, Zartan. Zartan. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Why didn't I think uh, of that? Dang. Zartan and Chuckles, the, the G.I. Joe infiltrator that got Cobra right. Commander assassinated. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. That's a that's very good, good point. That's really good. Yeah. Awesome. 
Well, there it is. Thank mm-hmm. you so much, y'all. Uh, that that is the the original the original twelve classes in the player's handbook. We did um, it. We've done it. There, there it is. We could we can go on because now there is a thirteenth class, the artificer, that we haven't oh, that's talked right. about yet. And we could also go into some of the additional subclasses that we didn't have access to when we started this uh, endeavor because uh, the book hadn't been out yet. Uh, we could we could take a couple subclasses from some of our past classes and see how they've. Uh, uh, how they've progressed. That's a good what idea. Trying to say is, Sounds great. Please let us come back now that we're done. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're not done. Not. Oh, good. Oh, good. There's always character to build. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One day we will run out, and we'll, then we'll just have to think up a different excuse to have you guys around. <laughs> well, by then, there'll be D&D 6th edition, and we'll have to do it all over again. Right. Uh, there you go. Or we just move into like Call of Cthulhu or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we could go into other other uh, games. I'm going to be picking up like Iron Kingdoms, for example. That's oh. true. Or the or the Coyote and Crow. Yes. Which, which has should... 45 hours to go. I was okay. going to say we should uh, mention that they are about 150 thousand dollars short of a million dollars. If they hit <sighs> that million, they are going to have an adventure written. Um, by uh they did say it in an update so i can say it it's public by uh rebecca roanhorse who oh. is an amazing uh she's an indigenous author i met her a couple years ago at world con she's she first off pick up her books they are fucking fantastic um and her writing an adventure sounds like a blast Ooh. also i totally called it <laughs> I was gonna say, that's the that's who you thought it was, isn't it? And confirmed. Yeah, yeah. Yep, he did. He did say that off air, um, but yes, confirmed. Yeah. Oh, did he? I don't remember him confirming. No, it you, with... you, you. Oh, you. yeah. And he he was like, mm, yeah, not... yeah. He's like not saying anything. I was like, you, I know but you didn't want to guess on air. You. Oh, you're right. That. Yeah. Yes. Correct. Because he surprised. had a bad poker face. Mm-hmm. Which he totally <laughs> yeah. But we all talked about it that one. Uh, yeah. after the show <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah also check out her work it's fantastic yeah I've read Trail of <clears throat> Lightning I yeah that's it. the first one I read yeah. yeah yeah I was like I know that name hold on let me google it because I yeah. don't remember things yeah well. she's awesome <laughs> cool. yeah that's what the internet's I want to pick up the other one the, the Storm of Locusts mm-hmm. yeah and speaking of awesome now that we have talked a little bit about the Bard, this seems like a perfect place to take a quick break and thank our sponsors. First up, Bridge City Comics. They are one of Portland's greatest comic book shops. And in this city, that really says something. But even cooler is that this Thursday, April 1st, Bridge City Comics turns 16. Bridge City Comics can now drive itself to its own store. Oh, they grow up so fast. Um, and yes, let us just ignore the uh, the elephant in the room in that Michael decided to open a comic book shop on April Fools. Uh, that is no that is no joke or no trick. Uh, Bridge City Comics opened on April first, so maybe go in there this week and celebrate their birthday by buying yourself some comics. Um, there are so many great books that are out there right now. If you are curious about some of the books that inspired Falcon and the Winter Soldier, there are a ton of Marvel books out there that you can read up on. In fact, you know what? Maybe pick up the entire Ed Brubaker run of Captain America called The Winter Soldier that um, really kind of kicked off, you know, the movie. Anyway, uh, 
What I'm saying is that if you're enjoying the shows, you're going to love the comics. You're going to love the source material that sometimes can do an even deeper dive than you can do in a 40-minute episode of television. That is one of the really great things about comics. When you combine the, the written word with the images and the colors and the, and the lettering, it's a whole story unto itself in the way it is told. And it is one of the most beautiful forms of storytelling. And you can find it all at Bridge City Comics. 3725 North Mississippi Avenue. And when you are in there, thank them for sponsoring, almost said thank them for sponsoring Bridge City Comics. Thank them for sponsoring Geeks, Geek in the City Radio. And also, maybe tell them happy birthday. And next up, of course, our longest sponsor, Guardian Games. They're at 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. They have in-store shopping, but of course, wear a mask and all that stuff. Still no in-store gaming. That's still going to be a while. But that doesn't mean you can't pick up some fantastic games there. They are current, they are currently, uh, they've been promoting all the various schools of magic from the next Magic the Gathering expansion, which drops any day now. I do believe you can still pick up your pre-order kit and pick your favorite school of magic. They also have any other game you're looking for. It doesn't matter. Miniatures, card games, uh, dice games, whether they're collectible card or living card games that you just kind of, you know, deck building style. They have it there. And of course, if playing a bard sounded interesting, then you need to pick up some of their D&D 5th edition stuff. Uh, they have, of course, the Player's Handbook. They've got Xanathar's Guide, and they've got Tasha's Cauldron of Everything that has a couple of really dope bard uh, uh, subclasses and variants that you really need to check out. It is all at Guardian Games, 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. And when you are there, thank them for being our longest sponsor of Geek in the City Radio. It really means a lot, and they do notice, so do that, please. And then uh, finally, a big shout out, as always, to Reverend Nat's Hard Cider for supplying us with equipment so that we can all continue to do this show with the quality that you have come to expect by various ums and uhs notwithstanding. So a big thanks to RevNat for hooking us up with equipment so the show can sound good and to keep your mental sanity lubricated with cider, which may not be the best coping mechanism, but it tastes oh so good. Big thanks to RevNat. And a quick little shout out to Asylum across from the Baghdad Theater. They are open. You might want to be rearranging your house now that you've been stuck inside it for over a year. Asylum's going to help you do that. And now, back to the show. Episode two of Falcon and the Winter Soldier dropped last week. Yeah. yeah. Shit got serious. That was a... Uh... And it started serious and <laughs> just continued. Yeah. We watched both of them today. So, so can I just make an observation that I think um, by episode six of the latest, we are all, and by all, we all, I mean America is going to get the sternest talking to from Sam Wilson. <clears throat> yes. Mm-hmm. On how we've been treating black Americans. <laughs> you think? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like had... he's, he's now let it slide twice. <clears throat> like, oh, no. Oh, this is, yeah, we're getting the talking to. I had because that shit was really fucked up. Mm-hmm. I had a feeling the series was eventually going to at least reference Isaiah Bradley. I didn't know they were going to just flat out show Isaiah Bradley, or that it was going to be Carl Lumbly. <laughs> yeah, I was like, whoa. Yeah. Um, anyway, Bean, do you want to do the quick 
Oh, I'm sorry. I did not do synopses for this. Well, that's fine. Um, Let's just talk about like how what this episode felt like then. There's no, yeah, we can just jump into it. The synopsis is Sam and Bucky finally get together in the show. Uh, they interact with the U.S. agent. I mean, the new Captain America. And that goes sideways. And then Bucky gets his ass handed to him by a girl. Who's on uh, next episode? Zemo. Oh, and then there's a, who was there's on a... uh, who's on. They're all on Super Soldier Serum. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, old school Marvel fans might have caught when they mentioned um, the Power Broker. So mm-hmm. it's definitely Super Soldier Serum. Yep. Which sounds like it's uh, been taken from uh, Isaiah Bradley. Mm. Very likely because yep. they didn't seem as strong as Steve Rogers. Nope. Or but or or Bucky, but still but, strong and and that was the whole point of showing him also sidebar is the the kid that was at isaiah bradley's is that his grandson and if i so, think i think that is the low-key intro to patriot since they are doing young avengers that's yeah. the kid who i think becomes patriot they've been real subtle about all of this because it's <clears> like <throat> okay we've we've had wiccan and and, and speed even though mm-hmm. they've disappeared and we know that um, America Chavez is coming up in uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Yep. Um, Hawkeye, Kate Bishop has her own show coming up. So yeah, with Patriot, it's like, oh, you really are putting the band together. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm yeah. so excited for Young Avengers. Mm-hmm. I loved that book so much. <clears throat> I really... uh, that, that, scene, that scene that they did in the um, uh, uh, trying to get the loan was so oh that was so that was the first episode i think mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah that was the first episode wasn't it um but man that was awful that was so frustrating mm-hmm. um and then far yeah. from how shit is though um denise what were you gonna say um i really enjoy the way um and now i'm gonna forget the uh in new Captain america that character uh i really Arnold walker Thank yeah. you. Wow. I really enjoy the way that they, um, like, they're doing a really good job of establishing, like, this is a genuinely good dude. You know, mm-hmm. he he's not trying to get fame or accolades. He's he's just one of those like genuine, like you know, wants to be a patriotic hero kind of guy, and he wants to help Bucky and um, and Sam, uh, but. But we're not supposed to like him. And that comes across really, really well. Like, okay, fine, we get it. You're a good dude, but we, nobody wants to like you. And nobody's going to like you, at least not for now. I mean, uh, he's kind of helpful. But the moment that they're like, no, dude, like too soon, he gets. That is true. They left it on a sour note at the end of episode two. Which he, from his standpoint, he has a job to do and Mm -hmm. he sees this as his job. And if they are not going to help him, then they are going to be a detriment. Like if you look at it from his standpoint, his words make sense. I still don't like him. And uh, and I should be very clear. I don't like John Walker. I love Wyatt Russell. He's he's great. Fantastic. Oh man. I think, I think John Walker, his version of cap is, this is the cap you get that like grew up under like the shadow of, of 9-11, which is very mm-hmm. much you're either with us or you're against us American yeah. mentality. Which and I have just... a massive problem with those people. And I am immediately like. And, 
he doesn't think he's making. Yeah, he doesn't think he's making the bad call. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm automatically like, "You're a dick. I hate you." And I just, I just like those things, and I hate those things. It's he would have signed the Sokovia Accords. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like that's not not even a question. And I just, I just hate seeing Captain America with a sidearm. I just like don't don't put a gun in Captain America's hand. He uses a shield. I mean, uh, he he had one for World War II, but then again, everyone was armed in World War II. Yeah. But yeah. Avengers yeah. Cap, nope. No. He's yeah. just no, the shield. God. No, for sure. He's not, he's never going to be as good and like truly wholesome as, as Steve Rogers was. But uh, I think he has good intentions. Well, and that, I think that's a big difference too, is Steve Rogers, you know, wasn't a soldier. He signed up for the super serum program because he couldn't get into the military otherwise. And he wasn't like, mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't, and, and, and John Walker is like this, I don't know, a, seems like a career military dude and mm-hmm. uh, is. I mean, um, here's the, and there's here's a level the real... of indoctrination that, uh, oh yes, that, you know, mm-hmm. new cap is, you know, steeped in, whereas that wasn't really the, the attitude. Yeah. You could argue that didn't exist then. Steve Rogers questioned orders when they were wrong. Yeah. He thought for himself and and took a step back to look at all sides before moving forward. You know, frequently to the point where he would, you know, get in trouble for it. This guy blindly follows orders. He does not. He thinks he's absolutely right. Everything on his side is absolutely right. He's a company man. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, that's exactly the words in my head, Denise. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Steve Rogers was a good guy who did the right thing for the right reasons. Yeah, yeah. I think with that character, we're going to see a heel turn, and then towards the end, back to a face turn. Mm-hmm. I can see that, and I don't, Just... and I think it's going to cost him his life. I mean, that's how one of the things that's going to end up happening. Yeah. He's going to have like that Vader moment at the very end, kind of thing. Mm. <clears throat> See, I I think he's going to end up as like I think he's officially going to end up as a U.S. agent at the end, and I, I think we're going to get to see Sam take the mantle of Captain Captain America right. Maybe, and see yeah. him Ooh, in the and see him in the the uniform that he's been wearing in the comics, which is the combination of his uniform and Cap's uniform. That's so apparently, I'm... apparently there was a mistake, and it got pulled fast. But an image, like a promo image, was dropped from like episode five, and and Sam's in that total hybrid Cap Falcon nice. uniform. Yeah, and they're like, "Oh shit, pull it, pull it." Um, it, I still like one of the strongest scenes in the episode was therapy. Yes, yeah, like, it was so. Yeah, the the it second looked- that Bucky has the realization and says it out loud, that was that was the meat of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. That just sucker punched me that because if yeah. you're not worthy, that means I wasn't worthy. It's like mm-hmm. if he was wrong about you, then yeah. he was wrong about me. Yeah. 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 It still gives me chills. Yeah. yeah. Probably um, the most real thing we've ever heard him say. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the most I think we have ever heard Bucky say. <laughs> That's a good point. Also that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm also really, really invested in his relationship with that older man, uh, uh, with you know whose son he killed. 
Yeah, that's not going to be heartbreaking when that gets no. when that all I goes know. down. Oh God! But I'm I'm very. What's what's the what's like the the sad, dreadful version of very much looking forward to something? Emo. <laughs> I'm sure there's a German word no, for it. There probably is. Yeah. yeah. Whatever but it is, that's just my anticip- personality. <laughs> anticipating it, maybe slightly. Yeah. Uh, uncomfortably anticipating it but you're anticipating i I do appreciate that the the writers of this series are not afraid to basically lay the marvel universe and in a way our universe's uh you know original sin so quickly right out on episode two and that is the unjustified testing of of black men at the hands of the government Mm -hmm. Um, isaiah bradley is the only character it didn't kill or drive or drive completely mad yeah. um which is a direct correlation inspiration you know the story originally was clearly inspired by the the tuskegee experiment the tuskegee yep. Airmen. Yep. um and you got to think about within within marvel itself up until the era of like the mcu of how we know like the avengers that 10-year era i mean it's pretty much established that since world war ii all the government and Stark industries, like all they've really put a lot of focus into is perfecting that serum. So like how innocent is Stark industries? Um, That was Banner's whole reason for, he was trying to perfect a version of the super soldier serum within, within the movies, not, not within the comics. Right. And in the comics at all, or in the movies, it all goes back to the super soldier serum. Yeah. And so like, how much of that are they going to finally make public? Like, what does that, what does that, it has to be said, it has to be made and brought into the light so that some kind of justice can be done. But that means the hero that this entire world saved did so on the exploitation and murder of so many, you know, black people that were experimented on first. And Mm -hmm. Isaiah Bradley is this ugly reminder that it's still out there mm. that the sin is still an open, you know, is an open wound. And yeah, but at, at the same time, like, uh, you know, they mentioned in that episode that like Bucky never told Steve, like Steve had no idea. Nope. And like, no, I know. And that's and... well, and that's, and that's the thing. Like Bucky is at that moment, Bucky is that one side of the argument that says, does it do any good to tell the most wholesome of all of you? that your ability to do this is based on that mm-hmm. Bucky's making that choice for everyone. And the, and this show and the writers are saying it's not Bucky's choice to make. Yeah. I get why he made it, but it wasn't his choice to make. And for not to say these shows can't be like heavy with a message. That's still kind of gutsy for a show that is airing on Disney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, to have there's a swear word in episode two. That still shit. throws me off, by the shit. way. I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. They just to and to to have it so plainly shown, like his very clear horror and upset upon you know putting everything together with with Isaiah and and just like there were others you didn't like nobody like that whole moment was like heart in my throat 
which can't which wait till he tells Rhodey. Which, which leads, yeah, oh my god, yeah, Kale, yeah, absolutely. But and that led directly into the cops mm-hmm. stopping them, right? And, and there's just and, no, like, like, there's right no letting them being like, I'm sorry, is, is he bothering you, sir? And like, oh man, that whole scene. And yeah. I was like, dude, they're Avengers. <laughs> like, yeah. it was just like, oh. And then uh, he's all like, oh, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Wilson. Oh, I'm so mm-hmm. sorry. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. When you're watching that whole thing, it's like the two of them can take out everyone on this block. All of them. And one of them can do it. Yeah, yeah. one of one of them could. With, without Both breaking a sweat. Yes. With, with one and, hand. And Sam doesn't even have a suit with him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he would still come out on top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, that whole moment was. Yeah, I remember. I remember when they when they uh, when they cuff uh, Bucky. Um, I, I said I could. I said out loud. I was like, "Oh, that's cute." Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> like that's clearly <laughs> letting just for let show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And it's like they kind of knew that they were doing that. Like they cuffed him to the front because what's the fucking point? He's. Mm-hmm. If he was actually, he's going because he's agreed to go, and that's the only reason. Right. I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, he was uh, obviously complying. It's the only reason it was happening, but uh, yeah. the, just the cuffing part. Yeah, they like they. You could see the body language of of the cop sort of sheepishly cuffing him. Like I know that this little piece of stainless steel isn't really going to do anything but I have like this is protocol but here at least I'll put it in the front like mm-hmm. whatever against Wakandan vibranium it goes in the back they didn't even bother with that and uh-uh. you could tell just the oh, well thanks for coming along this is just for show yeah. you know uh, it occurs to me that I mean Sam is an American citizen who, yeah, he was only gone from his normal life for five years, but so were a lot of other people. So it's, you know, a highly relatable situation where it's, it's still, you still have a home to come back to. Bucky, much like Cap, had a, a really big window of time where he was a non-person in his home place and even now it's it's not it's just not the same like no one he knew from his former life is still alive he doesn't really fit into our culture as it currently exists and and he has somewhere else that he could have been because he had that time at wakanda that he seems to be have really positive feelings about my question is why would he come back to this when he could have just gone back to wakanda after it was all said and done because they don't want him there. If if he had stayed in Wakanda, he would have continued to be a wanted fugitive. Yeah, but he's been pardoned. Yeah, but and part, part of, of the, the pardon was doing all of right. this. Yeah, uh, he's on parole therapy, and <clears throat> it's, it's parole. He can't leave the. And I also think part you of Wakanda could do a now conditional is... release in another country. Couldn't you? I mean, not I, as well, an American citizen, yeah. right? And I also can I see like sent him on the way. When he's in Wakanda, like they they help heal him mentally and physically to an extent. They actually start calling what they call him the White Wolf. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I could almost imagine 
there's a period between, you know, whatever the the blip or the you know the, everyone coming back mm-hmm. after Endgame, where you know Bucky kind of wants to think about going back to Wakanda, and he and T'Challa have a chat. T'Challa's like, "You healed all you could in my home. It, if Get you out. stay, well, no, if you stay, you'll just be in. Then you will just be in seclusion." I suppose. That's very much a thing T'Challa would say, like, my friend, if you still, if you need to grow and heal, now is when you have to leave. You've done all you can in my home, kind of yeah. thing. We have made sure that you are alive. Now you must go live. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, also, the thing I forgot that's different from Isaiah Bradley in the comics is that when he's caught again after Korea... He still experimented on by Hydra for 30 years. Oh. Because the because Shield was Hydra. Yeah. So he's got right. other things that have happened to him that they haven't even touched on yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also he's the reason why Winter Soldier has a vibranium arm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was it oh, Chala was the reason he has a vibranium? No, no. Uh no, because uh Winter Soldier has a vibranium arm in the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Um, so it's stolen vibranium. Oh. Uh, no, I but didn't think it I didn't think that it was vibranium. Mm-hmm. So when he when I his arm was told off tore off by Isaiah, was it a it was a it was still a metal arm, right? I don't or think so it? because Isaiah has that line that says, I just wanted to see if they grew your arm back. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So so you're saying Isaiah is the reason he doesn't have a human arm and has a... Well, no, a, he loses... Um, he lost the arm in the fall. Right. When Hydra I don't think, found... Yeah, I don't think he had vibranium during the Korean War. No, I, I think... I don't think the the arm that he has in Winter Soldier is vibranium either. I think this is okay. the first time he's... I think Wakanda gave him the vibranium arm. Well then, what was so? Then what was it before in Winter well, Soldier? No, no, and because all that it was Russian steel. No, no, because in in Civil War, uh, Spider Man uh, comments on it when he when when he's well when they're fighting. I think he says, "Whoa, is that vibranium?" Or maybe he just says, "Whoa, is that a metal arm?" He's like, "Do you have a metal arm?" Yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah, That's because, so cool. because they break it again, like the fight between. Um, Stark and Bucky and Steve. Oh, it breaks again, huh? Yeah, they break his arm again. Okay. The shield, on the other hand, doesn't break. Right. I could have sworn right. it was always vibranium, but no, I think Cable's right. Well, it well probably, when he, ha- when it he probably fights, happened in Wakanda. When he fights Black Panther, there was there was like a reaction between his arm and Black Panther. Uh, I remember seeing something that it was like a weird shudder in his arm that made me think, oh, it's vibranium, and that's how... Yeah, I uh, remember. Yeah. I should anyway. totally be able to answer this. I just watched all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I like how Norm just commented about the line where Sam says, what, you've been slinking around Wakandas? What do you think you are? White Panther? And he's like, white white wolf. What? <laughs> Never mind. I also enjoyed oh, that, that little throwaway with uh, sorcerers and wizards and how Bucky so read... Good. Read The Hobbit uh, back in 1937. That when was it was written. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. yeah. 
sorcerers or wizards without hats. I just, I just... think about it. <laughs> Aliens, androids, or sorcerers, wizards. And I loved, I loved like Buckner's like that's not a thing. And then the first thing that John Walker asks when they're all together is, "You think it's one of the big three? So that was that was there's there was some good humor in it. They're they're doing a really good job, I think, of making this very much like a drama and serious, but not completely losing the whimsy of a Marvel story Mm -hmm. of 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 that comic book whimsy of like. And I like that it's so very different from WandaVision. I love that yes. every series has a different feel to it. Yeah. Me too. I think the only thing that it shares in common with WandaVision and which I think is very important is it is people dealing with trauma. Yeah. And yeah. if there is any sort of connective tissue that we all have right now, it is <laughs> dealing with yeah. trauma. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think that's, it feels like a very conscious choice. And it is, I think, one of the main reasons why everyone is connecting so viscerally with these shows right now. Yeah. The real question, do you Mm. think we'll eventually get Werewolf Captain America? No. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. knows? (laughs) Well, you know. Halloween miniseries special. here's, Here's my guess. We will see it in the multiverse of madness. It might be it might be a hidden hidden away thing, but gosh, if there's anywhere to put werewolf Captain America, it's in the multiverse of madness. That's true. It'll be in the what what if series. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. I forgot that was coming Which out. Yeah. Also, might be where we get Frog Thor. <laughs> and it's where we're getting Marvel zombies. Oh, cool. Yep. And Aaron's yeah was. Was just perfectly <laughs> together. Yeah, yeah. they they harmonized. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all I can do it for. Yeah. Oh man, frog yeah. uh, I know that following Winter Soldier, we get a break from Marvel for a bit. Yeah, the bad and batch. instead we get the Bad Batch. I saw oh, the first boy. trailer for it today. Yeah, and I'm 100% on board with. Well, I, I was already on board, but like they threw in a a kid into the mix, and I'm like, oh look at that! There it is. There's the Star Wars always has to be for children, yeah. and because it it's for kids, and right? As long as there's a kid in the cast, it's like, yep, that's that's exactly what I needed to see. Also, it, that uh, they also released the Obi Wan Kenobi cast list. Oh yeah, that's a hell of a cast list. Yeah, it is, man. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to the redemption of Hayden Christensen. I'm really curious how they're going to. It's got to be flashbacks. I think it's going to be both. I think it's going to be both flashbacks, and I think he's going to be Darth Vader. I I know. Well, I, I read a thing I mean, that, could... that he will be Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Really. Oh, searching okay. it'll be oh. the search yeah because they can't meet nope but he'll always just just miss him he can still and, be in the show without them ever being together mm-hmm. yeah 
Yeah, he's I mean, rep- and, reprising his role as Darth Vader in Obi-Wan Kenobi. And granted, there's not a whole lot of time, but there is a time span when Darth Vader doesn't have his robot body. Mm-hmm. It's not the longest time period. It's maybe a day, but you know, there is <laughs> there is that time period. What could happen in a day? <laughs> a lot can yeah. happen in a day. Uh, what I don't need is an extended scene of Darth Vader killing younglings. I'm, I'm really not I don't no. think they're going to go that route. So well, I don't I think mean, so have either. They, have they outlined what, where in the timeline this series is going to land? Is it like immediately after Darth Vader comes into existence? Is it? It's just yeah. sometime between uh, Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I would love to see you know that like little window of time that is Old Man Kenobi. Mm-hmm. What I, was I, that from? That was like a like a it was like a one off in the Star Wars core comic book a couple years ago, right? Or was it its own separate title? Oh, in the Star Wars comic, I think mm-hmm. it was like a two issue little tiny arc. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, and it had it like was... all his journal entries and stuff while he's yeah. interacting with the Sand People and Luke's keeping an eye his, on Luke. Luke's reading his journal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it was called like Kenobi stands alone. I think it was something like that. And I kind of want him to still wear a little bit of clone trooper armor, just as like, I, don't know, I think it'd be cool looking. Mainly, I just like it because I saw the sideshow collectibles figure that shows like Kenobi ten years after Revenge of the Sith, the way they did him up, and it looks pretty righteous. Cool. I mean, the good thing is we, that means we get to hear more Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan. He was just fantastic. Uh, oh, there's a new something. Star Wars mm-hmm. from the journals of Obi-Wan Kenobi, trade paperback. Oh, maybe this is... That might be the arc. This yeah. is it. It's, it's okay. It was published just this past October, but it includes uh, the Star Wars from 2015, issues 7, 15, 20, and then 26 through 30. That's a lot more than I remember. Also, fucking Kumail Najiami, he's having a hell of a year. He gets to mm-hmm. be in a in a Marvel and a Star War. Yeah, and Sun Kang. <laughs> yeah, Sun Kang is in it. That's uh, that's gonna be great. Um, oh, I've forgotten her last name. Indira, I think, is her first name. She's from Game of Thrones, wasn't she? Uh-huh. She's from Game of Thrones. She's from uh, Rome. She's from Doctor Who. She's been all over the place. I love it when she gets work. She usually gets killed in shows a lot, <laughs> which is unfortunate. It, like she, she, she's the the the, uh, the that opposite side of the coin to Sean Bean. She's <laughs> a recognizable English person that gets killed in movies all the time. Uh, I just I just realized O'Shea Jackson Jr. is uh, on the cast list mm-hmm. from Pharma. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. What was that? Indra Varma. Varma. Yes, she is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I believe we one of the characters that we're getting in this is um, uh, the Mandalorian woman that uh, Kenobi had an affair with. What's her name? Are you talking um, about the Duchess? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. The I think Satine is supposed to make an appearance, which means there are flashbacks, which would the, give credence to young Anakin Skywalker. Right. Is that mm. The sniper? 
in the Mandalorian? Is that who you're talking about? Because I no. thought I saw. No. Okay. I'm talking about the. She's the character that. What is Katie Sackhoff's character's name? I've. Oh, um, Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan. It's Bo-Katan's sister. So oh, okay. older sister. Older but, sister. Uh, the, and then... she was the Duchess of Mandalore until mm-hmm. she was killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But before she was the Duchess, Obi Wan was uh, assigned to protect her, uh, and they and they fell in love and had a, a budding but unfulfilled romance. Let's see, sure, sure, it was unfulfilled. <laughs> oh, like nothing actually got to happen. No, uh, no, uh, definitely nothing happened on screen. But I mean, when they talk about, you know, the events predating the Clone Wars when they knew each other. It doesn't sound like everything, anything ever really came into fruition. Maybe I'm remembering wrong. Yeah. One of my favorite arcs, though. Mm-hmm. I really liked her character and and their relationship. Mm-hmm. It was good. Yeah. I'm super jazzed for it. I think it's going to mm-hmm. be great. Excited. Ooh, I think we should wrap up the show this week. That sounds pretty solid. I'm going to go pass out. (laughs) Yeah, rest up. Yeah. Yeah. My first injection's hitting me hard. I'm hoping that means my second won't be as bad. Yeah, I've never heard of anyone having a bad reaction on the first one. I have, but not as extreme. Not as many, though, for sure. Drink water. Lots of water. Oh, yeah. I've been drinking a lot of water. Okay. Yeah. Apparently a whole lot of it is just based around dehydrating. So Yeah, no, it feels like it. Mm. Yeah. There's mine. Yay! I don't have a band-aid anymore. My second one's not. at the end of my second one's at the end of April. The twelfth. My next one's on the twelfth. Mine's on four twenty. <laughs> yeah, mine's like four twenty nine. Like it's a pretty far out one for me. I don't know if you got them. Okay. Huh? I said poke him oh. as you got him. <laughs> I gotta go back out to Hillsboro, but that's okay. It's a small price to pay. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Well, <laughs> with that, I'm Aaron Duran. I'm Bean Arita. And I'm Cable Hashitani. And we will talk to everybody next week. Wear your masks. <laughs> Seriously, where are your freaking masks.